All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Let's get into some hockey talk on Hump Day. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live. The day is January 3rd. I'm Tyler Uramchuk. He is our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli. And as always, the show is streaming live on the Daily Faceoff YouTube, where we are looking for inbox questions for later in the show. So drop those in with the hashtag AskDFO, and we can hopefully get to a few. The show is also, as always, brought to you by Botano, the 2023 EGR brand of the year for the best sportsbook operator. And they're looking to do more of the same in 2024. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Frank, busy night last night in the NHL. Did you keep up with everything going on? Home day! Uh, did I? uh yeah of course look five primary points for Connor mcdavid let's go 900 yeah, it, was, it was one of those nights where you could tell early on mcdavid was dialed in so let's get into that we have a busy show former nhl defenseman michael delzato is gonna swing by in about 15 minutes time give us his thoughts on the norris race and a few other things but for now let's talk about offense and Connor mcdavid becoming the fifth fastest player in NHL history to hit the 900 point mark. It was absolutely incredible last night at Rogers place as McDavid willed the Oilers to victory with, like you said, five primary points. Frank, listen, to be the fifth fastest is wildly incredible to do it in this era with scoring where it's at is just another level of Connor McDavid's magic. It is. And I just loved last night's game for so many reasons. His 10th, five-point game of his career, all primary points, as you mentioned. It was one of those nights where you had a hard time picking out which was the prettiest play that he made because there were so many of them. The 
backhand pass to Hyman for the goal, the shimmy shake on the first one that he scored. I mean, there's so many different moments in the game where you're like, wow, this is excellence on display. And then you see here the fewest games to 900 points in NHL history, fastest to 900 points. He's fifth. But as incredible as this board is, and when you look at Wayne Gretzky doing it in 385, it still blows your mind. But take a look at this. This is some work done by our friend Paul Paduti, which puts all of these players on a level playing field. And no disrespect to Mike Bossy or Peter Stastny, these guys were scoring in an era where there were seven or eight goals per game. If you put everyone on a level ice surface and adjust everyone from Wayne Gretzky on down to the same scoring era, Connor McDavid is actually kind of really the third fastest player in NHL history to. 900 points. Yes, he's ahead of Sidney Crosby by 20-some games. He's not really all that far behind Mario Lemieux. And just 100 games on the dot to Wayne Gretzky. So it, it kind of gives you some perspective of just how special this player is and, and where he's going to end up. To me, uh, I said recently that he's knocking on the door right now of the NHL's Mount Rushmore. It's not going to take him that long to get his face on that mountain. No, not at all. And I guess one milestone and, you know, we've been caught up the last couple of years in the Alex Ovechkin chase to catch Wayne Gretzky for the most goals all time. I think the next big historical chase we'll see in the NHL is Sydney or sorry, Connor McDavid looking to be the second ever player to hit the 2000 point mark. Like Yager would have done it if he didn't go to the KHL for a couple of years. Sidney Crosby if he didn't go through the bout with concussions and then you have the half season for a lockout, basically half season for COVID, like he probably would have been able to get there as well. Connor McDavid, if he stays healthy, Frank, he appears like it's going to be a lock. Like he might get that by year 15. Yeah. And that's, it's ridiculous. It, it the, the amazing part about his career is that it seems like it's still on the upswing as opposed to going the other direction or even leveling out. Yeah, he's having an incredible season. McDavid firmly in the Hart Trophy race. And last night was another great example of how he can take over a hockey game. John Tortorella was kind of asked about it after the game and said, I don't want to talk about the other team. I would imagine that's a frustration many NHL coaches have felt when going up against number 97. Uh, Frank, let's head out to the East. Why can't you just why can't you say a nice thing? Like, is it that hard to say something? Five primary points, he filleted your team. I get the emotions of it, but like, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I really don't get it either, especially Tortorella, who's been a little outspoken about Connor McDavid back in his time on the TNT panel, I believe it was, when he said maybe Connor McDavid has to change his game. I, that was quite the story a couple of years ago. Uh, all right, let's move along, Frank. We got some New Year's resolutions to give out, and we will start in the Eastern Conference. And if you don't mind, Frank, I'm going to go first. I, I did my research on this one, so I'm chomping at the bit. My resolution is going to the New York Islanders and the fact that Ilya Sorokin's numbers, they, they look a little bit more towards average than elite this year. And damn it, Frank, it's not his fault. He's facing 35.2 shots per game. That number, if you convert it to five on five shots against, it's the second most in the NHL. My resolution for the Islanders, they got to make life easier on Ilya Sorokin. They are average when it comes to goals against per 60 at five on five, yet their expected goals against is fourth worst in the entire NHL, that tells you how good Sorokin has been still, considering the circumstances, the Islanders, who are usually known for being good defensively, and I know injuries have played a role, they need to make life easier on their goalie. Yeah, we just showed you how numbers are not exactly what they always appear to be with Connor McDavid, and I think the same thing goes for Ilya Sorokin, and 
And his numbers this year, as you mentioned, you think you look at them and you're like, oh, these are somewhat pedestrian for him. And then you look at the job that he's done propping up this Islander team. They're not in the playoff race without him. It's been a pretty special season for Sorokin. I'm going to hand out a resolution to the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Lightning. Could we get John Cooper just a little bit of consistency here? I feel like he's, you know, we just talked about John Tortorella and him not saying any nice things about the other team. Feels like kind of all we hear from John Cooper is all things pumping up the lightning, which, yes, as a coach, you rightly should. And he was reminding everyone when he had the pulpit going through Toronto, you know, early in the season saying, hey, we're still here. We're here. We're the we're the two time defending champs a bit ago. It feels like that's way off in the distance now. And this team just can't really seem to get on any sort of run. They played, oddly enough, their best hockey of the season when Andre Vasilevsky was out. And since then, it's kind of been like win one, lose two, win two, lose one. Can't really get on a run and haven't seen any consistency. And I know, I know everyone's saying with this veteran-laden team, they don't need to be good in the regular season. They can flip the switch when it comes to the playoffs. But what if? What if the Lightning don't make the playoffs? I don't think they're in serious threat of that, but I think you have to at least consider the possibility that this team needs to get it in gear. Frank, how much have we talked this year about how disappointing the Pittsburgh Penguins have been and how that experiment looks like a failure and blah, 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 blah. If you sort by points percentage, the Tampa Bay Lightning are behind the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're behind the Penguins and the Devils before they can even think about catching the Flyers or the Capitals for a playoff spot. They're tied with the Detroit Red Wings for points percentage. Like, I maybe it's not getting enough talk about how much this Lightning team is struggling. I agree, and I would say when you take an even deeper look at some of the numbers, you would say, well, wait a second here. Goal differential, it's a 21-goal swing between the Lightning and the Penguins in the Penguins' favor. Um, so maybe that's a, a warning sign for this team that at times, I think, in the regular season, because of their success, gets complacent that, as I said, they need to get it in gear. Let me throw you a quick Ask DFO question from Nick G in the YouTube chat who says, is John Cooper in trouble if the Lightning missed the playoffs? I think we're a long ways. Like, he's probably the most secure next to Mike Sullivan amongst head coaches in the league. Yeah, I would agree. I'd say, look, if if you're thinking that John Cooper suddenly woke up and forgot how to coach, like, I get it that at some point every coach has its, has his day, even the most successful, and it he is the longest tenured coach in the league, 10-plus years now. But I don't know. I, I think the thing is, I would I would say never say never because now that I, I put some thought into the question, Julian Brisebois is ruthless in, in Tampa. They had arguably the best head scout in the league in Al Murray, the highest paid, believed to be the highest paid assistant GM in the league. And they kind of iced him. He's fired or, you know, taken on a different responsibility, but you know, still under contract. It's been a really weird situation there with Al Murray in Tampa. And maybe Julian Breezeball gets through this and says, you know what? We need a kick in the ass. Let's uh, let's change coaches. I don't, you never know. Man, if that were to happen, how many other teams are just immediately, GMs are immediately calling their coach? Uh, yeah, you're done. And they're, yeah. they're trying to get John Cooper, 100%. Yeah, definitely. John Cooper is going to be calling his next shot. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's head out west and give some resolutions to some teams in the Western Conference. Uh, Frank, here's mine. It's going to the Chicago Blackhawks, and it's an easy one. I'm taking the low hanging fruit. Connor Bedard is having a very, very impressive rookie season. You look at the numbers, getting close to a point a game. I fully expect him to get to a point a game by the end of the season. And his most common line mates this season, from four from the forward perspective, 
are Philip Kurashev and Nick Felino. No disrespect there. Both good NHL players, but you have $52 million in cap space this summer if you're Kyle Davidson. You go get Connor Bedard some help in the year 2024. If we are sitting here on January 3rd, 2025, and Connor Bedard is still playing with players who are like Kurashev and Felino, just good middle six guys, then there is a major problem. Nylander could be a free agent. Gensel, Sam Reinhart. There's good UFAs coming this to this class in July. You have lots of money. No excuse. Get help for Bedard. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be pretty easy to do. Cap space is one thing, but players are going to be lining up to play with Connor Bedard is another. So that part will be easier. I kind of feel bad for the Blackhawks. Here are the guys that were out last night and or injured. Seth Jones, Athanasiu, Joey Anderson, Taylor Radish, Tyler Johnson, Taylor Hall, and then Anthony Beauvillier went down in the game and didn't return. I mean, that's like one third of a of a healthy NHL lineup. I mean, I know that there hasn't been much support there and it was kind of thin to begin with, but I mean, they haven't exactly had good luck in the injury department in terms of trying to fill out that roster with the guys that they did assemble. So I do feel a little bit bad for the Blackhawks and the situation that they're in. Uh, my resolution is going to go to a few teams in the West. It's going to go to the Preds, the Kraken, the Blues, all the teams that are in the Flames that are in the NHL's mushy middle in the West. Give me some clarity, just a little bit. Let me know which way you're going. And not just me, and I'm not saying this ahead of March 8th, now 65 days away from the NHL's trade deadline, being needy and saying, hey, I'd like to, you know, for you to broadcast your plans. But it's been a really weird year to figure out where some of these teams are heading and what exactly they're thinking. And the way that they've played to this point, namely the Preds and the Blues, um, you would think that they'd kind of be okay and comfortable with where they're at. Two teams that have decided or said, you know, kind of early on in the process, we're not trying to compete this year. We're not in the mix. And yet the Blues fired their coach. And then the Nashville Predators, healthy scratch Tyson Barry. And you kind of go through the list and you're like, what, what exactly is happening there in the Western Conference? Give me some clarity between the Blues, the Preds, I'm going to throw the Kraken in the mix as well. They've been on a heater of late, but haven't really looked like a playoff team for the bulk of this year. And I kind of think we kind of know where the Flames are heading. And I think if the Flames wanted to, you know, make something happen, they've been trying to make something happen. They're waiting for teams to get serious and make them offers. We're going to be joined by former NHL D-man Michael Delzato in a few minutes, Frank. But one more thing to cross off the list here, and it's this week's edition of Fair or Foul. A couple of interesting moments over the last, we'll say, 48 hours around the NHL. And we'll start with that game between the Jets and the Minnesota Wild. Obviously, Minnesota lost Kirill Kaprizov in that game. And then we got this, which in the moment seems totally kind of not fully innocent, but, you know, a play that could maybe happen. Guy trying to win a faceoff, stick someone, whatever. But then Cole Perfetti comes out and says Ryan Hartman told him it was deliberate and Perfetti was mic'd up for the game. He's got proof, Frank, fair or foul on Hartman sticking Perfetti off the draw is retribution for Kaprizov going down. Uh, it's foul, but I would say that this has been happening in the NHL for the test of time. Some player goes down with an unfortunate injury or a hit that someone doesn't like and there's retribution. What I will say is hilarious about the whole thing is not just that he's mic'd up. And I don't know if you saw that meme that was going around. It was like James Gandolfini. And it was like, someone told him, someone told Ryan Hartman that Perfetti was wearing a wire. It's like, it was hysterical. Um, but I would say 
the idea that you're going to tell someone that part is also foul. If you're going to do it and he tried to play it off, like after he, he stuck him in the face, he kind of was like, Whoa, like, like almost like he was trying to sell it. Um, man, the whole thing is foul, but I'd say not egregious given that this has gone on for the test of time. And the second one we have was an incident from last night between the Florida Panthers and Arizona Coyotes as Nick Cousins took a big run at Yuso Valimaki, who was in what I would describe as a defenseless position on his knees close to the boards. Jason Zucker takes exception and runs him from behind a couple of minutes later. Uh, fair or foul on Jason Zucker taking matters into his own hands? I'm going to say fair. I love Nick Cousins. I think he's one of the NHL's true rats, and I say that with all due respect. I think it's one of the hardest things to do to, to be a rat. Um, but, you know, and to do it consistently on a nightly basis, let alone that. Um, look, if you're going to dish it out, sometimes you have to take your own medicine. And in this case, it seems like that's what happened with uh, Nick Cousins getting that hit from Jason Zucker. Didn't love the hit on Valimaki, I'd say. The hit on Valimaki was foul, but Zucker's response, relatively innocuous. I'll say that's fair. Yeah, I'm going to say it's it's totally fair as well. I think Cousins, that, that's a greasy hit when you have a guy down on a knee up against the boards like that. And Nick Cousins has been, it's the second time he's done something like this this year. If you remember back to the Eric Goodbranson uh, incident and the way he took him into the boards. So Nick Cousins definitely getting himself or maybe confirming a bit of a reputation there. Uh, let's move along here, Frank, and get to our big segment for the day. It is the Players Room with special guest Michael Delzato. The Players Room is delivered by DoorDash, where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery in their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and use the promo code NATION25, Michael Delzato, a veteran of well over 700 NHL games, making his show debut. Excited to welcome you in, and you're making me jealous. There's no nice green behind you. You're somewhere more. I, I don't love seeing that, but welcome to the show. Thanks for hopping in. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm in Miami, which is uh, home for me now. I'm not uh, not complaining about being in shorts and t-shirts uh, here at the start of January. Not at all. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, well, a place that was your last stop in the NHL, the Ottawa Senators. You played there back in 2021-22, and we've recently seen the Sens make a whole boatload of changes. New head coach, totally new management, new ownership as well. From your time there, how bad was the culture reset needed for this time? <laughs> oh, how much time do you have? Um, you know, I, I couldn't believe that that was an NHL organization. I was there just from top to bottom, how the players were treated, how the staff was treated. Um, you know, I, I tell this story all the time. You know, I was spoiled. My first year was in, in New York playing for the Rangers, and it was first-class treatment every single day. Anything that a player you could think of, has already been thought over numerous times and been perfected by the organization. So just even the food we'd have after the game, you know, a fantastic spread of food at home, which I think maybe two guys would, would go there and actually make the most of it because you're in New York City. You're going out for dinner after. In Ottawa, I remember after my first game, we had boxed quesadillas in a warming drawer. And I'm thinking, you're spending $80 million on your players. And we had a young team. So we had, you know, 20, 21-year-olds, guys that probably have never stepped in the kitchen before to cook. And you're in Ottawa where there's not really restaurants that are open on a Tuesday, Wednesday. So you're eat either eating these box quesadillas or you're going to Taco Bell or McDonald's that are open late night. So just little things like that. They don't give um, their players the best opportunity to succeed every night. 
But that organization to me is um, – it's interesting because they have a good team. You look at their roster, up front they have some of the most exciting talent as far as forwards. Um, they have a decent back end. Yes, they've dealt with some injuries. They keep bringing in goalies year in and year out who are proven goalies, and it's the same old song and dance each season. So uh, something had to happen there. Obviously the first being the GM to go, now the coach. They're going to have to start over again. But they have a lot of great pieces, so I'm not sure exactly why they can't take the next step. I know before with the old regime in there, there was no accountability. They were developing the young guys and giving them every opportunity. But at some point, you can't allow them just to, to get away with whatever they want. And, and losing becomes acceptable, and that's all you ever know. Because now you're going to get these guys that are going to be six, eight, ten-year veterans and have only ever had losing seasons. They don't know what it takes to win. Michael, love the insight. The box quesadilla is hilarious. Um, but wanted to ask you, you know, I think we kind of universally agree that this team, the roster that they've assembled is better than what they've shown. What do you think is the biggest thing holding them back? It, to me, I, I, if you change the goalie year in and year out, my answer is it's probably not the goalie. But what do you think when you look at this group is preventing them from getting to where they need to get to? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Consistency is the easiest answer, but you could say that about any team, and no matter what the roster is, um, you have to be able to perform on a consistent basis, and it's easier said than done. So with them, I, I'm not sure what it is. Is it bringing in a new coach and starting from scratch, holding guys accountable? Um I'm not sure because this is to me is one of the biggest head scratchers in the NHL is this is a good team. And especially... Oh, I think we might've gotten Michael muted a little bit here. If you want to tap the unmute button there and we'll keep rolling. Oh, sorry guys. I'm back. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, with, with, uh, with Ottawa, they, they, they had, good player so it, it's consistency and i'm not sure that's something that can be taught or just happen overnight um but you look at their division like no one expected ball 
nothing to do with what they're doing this year. Toronto, you know, is up and down. Florida's had a fantastic year. Um, they're they're missing that that window where they were expected where they were expected to take the next step. And for whatever reason, I don't think anyone can figure out why not even taking the next step. Now they they've regressed, and it's happened year after year. And at some point, is do you break up that core and do you bring in some more veteran talent? When they brought in Claude Giroux, I thought that was maybe going to certainly help them as far as developing those young guys and understanding um, a little bit more on the mindset side of things and, and on how to be consistent and, and being professionals on a daily basis. Is bringing in a 71-year-old coach the answer, a, a GM with no experience? I don't know what the answers are, but the, you know something has to give at some point here. And if things don't change, do you change the personnel? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what lies ahead here now that there's some stability in the management front there. Uh, switching gears a little bit, Michael, I want to pick your brain on kind of the current state of the defensive game in the NHL and maybe a little bit of early season Norris talk as well. When you look at the point leaders in the league right now, there are D-men up there. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Evan Bouchard's a point per game out in Edmonton. If you had to pick, if you had to peg down a Norris favorite at this point in the season, who would it be? So I, I think with Bouchard, you definitely benefit from playing with two of the best, you know, most offensively gifted players in the game. Uh, it's Hughes or Makar. To me, Makar is number one, just the way he impacts the game on both sides of the ice. Has a little bit of a physical edge to his game, too. You can't argue Quinn Hughes, though, like what he's done this year. He's he so much fun to watch. The evolution of defensemen has changed so much now. Now you guys got guys putting up 80, 90 points. Um, you know, plenty of guys that are putting up 60 points or, you know, that stay at home defenseman doesn't really exist as much anymore. Now you're having uh, these offensive players uh, with a little bit more of a longer leash to, to make plays. And if they don't work out, you know, we'll deal with, you know, the other eight plays out of 10 that do work out and turn into great a scoring chances and a bit of a track meet back and forth. That's just kind of the evolution of where the game has gone. So a little bit different from even, you know, when I started, you know, 15 years ago, so the ability that these guys have to skate and can impact the game with their skating and, and their stick as opposed to the physical presence uh, is very different. I don't I, I love it in a way as a fan, but there's still the old school mentality. I mean, we still watch some games here and like, you know what? It just feels like a little bit of pond hockey back and forth. More so, I'd say the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference games. But, um, you know, long answer for you. But Kale McCarr to me is still the best defenseman in the league, but it, it's. If, if it went to Quinn Hughes, uh, I wouldn't be shocked. And I think that's an easy choice as well. So not to have you be, you know, the, the what if question, but I want to take you back to 2009. That's the year I first started covering the league full time. And it's crazy how different the game was then. It's only, you know, 14, 15 years ago. But that's when you broke into the league and you did hit double digit in goals twice. You were a 40 point defenseman in the league in the, in the beginning of your career. How different might your career have been had the game been played exactly like it is now? Uh, I'd probably still be playing. I'd probably be a lot wealthier too. <laughs> um, you know, you look at the contracts these guys are getting now. After my my uh, entry-level deal, I think I had 41 points, was, uh, was plus 20, and I got a bridge deal. I got a two-year deal at two and a half, and defensemen now putting up those points and those numbers are getting, what, six by six, maybe more. Um, but I also understood the business side of it well back then. And that's what allowed us to be good for so many years is I had no arbitration rights. So now you're getting players that are getting paid off prediction as opposed to production. You had some guys that have played one year and not even a full year. And they're getting these seven, eight year deals. And to me, it's crazy. And I know some of them will work out. 
Uh, granted, the cap continues to raise and they'll become team friendly deals. But how many of these deals two, three years down the line, these GMs are now trying to make up for their mistakes and are looking to trade or buy out these young guys. And it becomes um, and it also creates you talk about culture before with auto Ottawa. It also creates this culture where now these guys are just paid, you know, not producing to get paid. And now you're having your highest play gate paid players at 20, 21 years old who don't understand what it takes to win. And now they're running the dressing room as opposed to the 30, 35 year olds who have the experience and are now able to teach these young guys um, who may not be as uh, accepting when they are getting constructive criticism or teaching on, on, on how to get to the next step. Love the insight, Michael, looking forward to making you a regular on the show. Thanks for hopping on and we'll chat again soon. Thanks for having me guys. I'm sorry to make you jealous with the, uh, the weather here. I'm in Edmonton, man. Come on. (laughs) There you go. Some good insight there from former NHLer Michael Delzato. Let's move along to our daily face-off inbox question, which is brought to you by Tourism Jasper. Frank and I are only about 15 days away from heading up to the JPL, the Jasper Park Lodge, for a little pond hockey. If you want to book your next trip to Jasper and venture beyond, head to jasper.ca slash travel for more information. Frank, we're going over to the YouTube chat where Andrew is in. William Nylander picked up a couple of goals last night. He wants to know how much of a chance is there that Nylander goes north of $11 million per year on his next deal. I guess tell me where he's going, and I'll tell you how good of a chance there is. If it's in Toronto, I'd say... Probably not a very good one. I, I'd say the ceiling is probably 11. And I understand the deals that have been signed. I understand that Nylander has been this team's MVP this year. But I think if he wants to go much north of 11 million, he's probably going to have to do it elsewhere is my read on the situation. And also we got one in from our friend Barra who wants to know who's the best deadline possibility for the abs. Is it Lindholm or is it Kevin Hayes? So I brought up Kevin Hayes and connected him to the Colorado Avalanche last week when Hayes, uh, not Hayes, um, Chris McFarland, the GM of the Avs, was at a Stars-Blues game just after the holiday break. And I was like, look, Ryan Johansson clearly isn't cutting it so far for the Avs and what they needed him to be. I thought, I think we both thought that he was a strong bounce back possibility this year in Colorado, kind of like the maybe perfect fit. You know, Johansson goes to Colorado where they know him from, you know, at least McFarland does from Columbus. And then you saw Matt Duchesne going to Dallas and you're like, man, two great acquisitions for these teams. Johansson hasn't done it. He hasn't lifted this team up. And so I would lean towards Hayes um, purely from also a price perspective. Like if you're able to chop Hayes in half again, from like three, five, seven, or whatever to one, let's call it one eight. I mean, Kevin Hayes at one eight for the next few years uh, can probably give you 40 points, 20 goals, and can kill penalties. I mean, how many players are you getting on a better deal than one eight? And to slot him in to your team defensively, as I mentioned, he's a pretty complete player. So I would really like that acquisition, and it would cost a lot less than Lindholm. Let's move along to our Patano Daily Bets, where I started the 2024 year 
with two victories thanks to the Bruins covering the puck line and the under barely hitting between Tampa Bay and Winnipeg tonight. I got two plays for you on the slate from our friends at Patano.ca. The first is the over between the Leafs and Ducks. The Ducks are struggling to keep pucks out of their net. The Leafs playing on the second of back-to-backs as well after playing in LA last night. I think this one could be a score fest. So um, with the Leafs and their goaltending being totally up in the air right now, I have no problem laying over six and a half tonight and a shot prop parlay for you. Luke Hughes and Adam Henrique, both their lines are set at one and a half. Henrique has hit this in four of his last five. For Hughes, he's actually hit this in four consecutive games as well. So you play these two together, you're getting it at a pretty nice plus 148 price point as well, Frank. So a couple of plays as I look to stay hot in 2024. I love that. Um, Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor, did you survive? How do the Red Wings score five goals and Dylan Larkin doesn't get a point? How does that happen? This game is rigged, I swear. I know it's not, but still, I'm frustrated. You're, you're moving on, though. I am moving on. Bruins over three and a half goals. Let's go. Day two, get me some free Wendy's. Get me some chicken strips and French toast sticks. It's going to be a bit harder today. I'm, I might ride with the same kind of thing, though. The New York Rangers over three and a half goals. I think that's pro- the team props, I think, to this point, have been easier or better than some of the individual player props. Uh, you can have your say, make your vote, make your pick over at dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com and win some fantastic prizes from our friends at Wendy's and the new Wendy's app. Garbage time today, Frank. Uh, yesterday, we started the show by saying that Canada had been eliminated from the World Juniors, which brings up the yearly tradition in Canada of randoms on the internet attacking teenagers. The shit that Fraser Minton has gotten. I know Oliver Bonk had to make his Instagram private over the last 24 hours. And, you know, maybe part of it is a bit of a rude welcome into being a professional athlete. People have access to you. And if you don't deliver for their favorite team, they're going to come at you. But I just hate the discourse that happens every time Canada gets eliminated of one, these kids having to deal with all of the crap online and two people who love to stand on a little soapbox and be like, no one cares about the world juniors who cares, blah, 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 blah. You don't have to shit on things just because other people like them and you don't. So the discourse around the world juniors, it's incredibly annoying. I hate it. And it's my garbage time for today. So I'm going to push back against that and say, how can we never hear about that when Canada wins? Like, why is it like other countries, teenagers are constantly, and I'm not saying it's just to be clear that it's appropriate to shit on anyone on the internet, let alone on teenagers. But this kind of, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but Pete Blackburn tweeted out a handy guide for the world juniors. And it was one of those. uh, So like the question, it starts at the top and it says, did Canada win? And it says, if yes, we are, we are the greatest co- hockey country in the world. We invented this shit, exclamation points. And then it says, did Canada win? And if the answer is no, then the response is, who cares? It's a tournament for babies. Like, Well, that's, that's what I mean, though. I hate when people come out right now and are like, oh, it's the World Juniors. Who cares? And when Canada wins, they're quiet. Like, it's just annoying. The discourse is, it drives me nuts. Yeah, that's kind of my point. And, and we talked about this yesterday on the show, too, with... Uh, that tweet from um, from our friend Chris Peters, who was basically like, this was a pretty predictable result. Canada and Czechia was a bit of a coin flip. And when you look at the way Canada played in the tournament and the way Czechia played, like it, there wasn't really a lot separating them. Maybe it's okay that Canada didn't win because they just weren't the best team this year. 100%. Uh, the World Juniors continues, and we got coverage of it over on dailyfaceoff.com. We're also going to have Stephen Ellis popping by on this show Friday to get set for the eventual gold medal matchup. Yes, Frank. 
just a quick shout out to the PWHL, their largest crowd, uh, 8,000 plus in Ottawa last night as well. Be remiss not to mention that. Be curious to see how long that record stands because the Minnesota PWHL team plays at the XL Energy Center and they have 7,000 seats already sold. So that record could be eclipsed pretty quickly. Love to see the support so far. And I know the next game in Ottawa is also sold out. So at that Civic Center there, they're going to have some pretty decent crowds. Yeah, great stuff coming out of the PWHL in its early days here. And we'll continue to cover that as well on dailyfaceoff.com. That's a wrap on today's edition of the show. As always, brought to you by Botano. The game starts now at Botano.ca. Shout out to Michael Delzato for popping by. Frank and I will be back tomorrow at noon Eastern time. Chat with you then. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.